With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. This is not as effective of a weapon for Villanova. Ball Twitter. Up top, Alexander. He's really playing well tonight. 124 to go. Nemar to the bucket. Up and in. And Creighton goes up 60 to 58. Carpenter with four fouls. Dixon pump, double pump, block. Dixon gets it back. Two to shoot. Let's it go. And it out. He's physical. He can post you up, but he has a real sense defensively. Jamarcus Lawrence with the three. Or, you, know, you know what you're supposed to do, but there are times instinctively you have to do what you have to do. Five to shoot, coming out of four seconds. Oh, but it falls anyway. When you're hot, you're hot. Now 51% of Nebraska's points this year have come from points in the paint, so they're right in that range again today. Tominaga lost that one on the way up. It was tipped, gets it back. We did not take a step back, man. We made so many in-game adjustments, man. We played together, bro. We did it on defense, bro. We stopped the boards, bro. We got to keep that going for the rest of the season. We cannot cut it up. Good morning, everybody. Monday morning here on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. Welcome to the show this week, 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, as we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. What are you doing this morning? Are you drinking a cup of coffee? Maybe the official coffee of coffee and cream. That's the beanery. If you're not... Head over to one of their four locations, Gretna, Papillion, Ashland, and how about that new location, which they opened up, or or which they opened last October, I should say, and that's off 168th and Giles. Or, if you're not drinking coffee this morning, is it 5 o'clock somewhere where you are? Are you drinking an Acres Ale by chance this early in the morning? If so, you are a... An absolute menace. Well, uh, we don't want to judge. There's third shifts. I'm just saying, you are a menace. It's third shift. What Not if for they, me. What it's if first shift for well, me. What if it's third shift? They just get off and have a beer. Third yeah. shift. Yeah. Can you imagine late having night. three shifts? No, late night, overnight. It's something, oh, it's something oh. wrong with you. Like those oh, people the, are just the, getting the off The night, work. night shift. Man. <laughs> you know, eight hour day. I don't know if you could do division, but 24 <laughs> divided by three is eight. The, the third two. shift. Jamie would be proud. <laughs> well, Acres Ales brewed with Nebraska corn, so I know that's what they're drinking. Uh, crisp and clean with a light, refreshing flavor. So it's either coffee or beer this morning, and that's how we roll on coffee and cream. I almost want to call him Nelson, the guy that used to do the 7-Up commercials, crisp and clean, no caffeine. Remember the guy that was in Boomerang? He did the bad. Oh, I can't I can't forget that guy. He did the uh, 
he was left unsupervised because Marcus was in his feelings, so he made kind of a terrible commercial with Strong J. Do you know the guy that I'm talking about? Nope. Not one bit. It's a lot of fun. Glad I went through all that. <laughs> well, That's I was just awesome. trying to let you paint the picture. Maybe I could remember. <laughs> like uh, Bob Ross. <laughs> right. I know, know who that is. <laughs> yes. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I, I do know who Bob Ross is. Wowzer. I think I'm going to have um, a drink to that. Yeah. Well, well, good. Acres Ale maybe over there. Um, How was your birthday weekend? It was good, man. Birthday yeah. was good. That was Saturday. Uh, we went to the golf simulator bar up the road here. Yeah. Spent about four hours um, hitting golf, golf and beyond. balls into or beyond golf. Beyond golf, yep. Hitting some golf balls into a screen, watching the Indiana Purdue game, which was a wild one. And then, Did, do you have a lot of fun doing that? I watch. So, full disclosure, um, had a couple of breakfasts there. They have very good brunch. Good brunch, really good brunch. And I like because you can kind of play peekaboo. They have bottomless mimosas too. One oh, of the yes, days. they do. You can play peekaboo and kind of see what's going on mm-hmm. in the kitchen and stuff. And um, I watched some guys. I mean, it's eleven fifteen on a Sunday. I mean, just hammering balls. Guys That's breaking what I do. sweats. And I'm just like, I wonder, is it accurate? Do you feel like it's accurate? Do you say to yourself, well, that felt like 209? No. So on average, I probably drive... 260. Yeah. Like do, do, do you two, know what? Do you know what 260 feels like? Is the simulator simulating if it, 260? If it goes straight, yeah. I know what 260 feels like. There are so many shots that I take. Like I hit a 60 degree there, and I hit it 110 wedge. Yeah, 60 degree wedge. Okay. I hit it 110, and I'm like, there's no way I hit a 60 degree. So like during it goes breaks like and maybe stuff, 60, 70 yards. When you're standing around stretching, you almost inevitably take a golf swing. Almost always. Mm-hmm. Oh, just now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of walk around. I'm like the, if you made like a TikTok of your significant other, which I know like a lot of girls have done before, and it's like, hey, just watch my husband always like the game never stops. Yeah. And they're like in target. Is that you? Oh, yeah, that's me. Because oh. I see something that makes me think of, ooh, may I practice golf? School? Like Tony Romo, do you need an intervention? Mm-hmm. No, but I like Tony Romo, I can hit it off the deck. <laughs> Hey, wasn't it funny on Friday? It was, it was all after the show because I was at the barbershop. So it was probably 11.30, okay. 11.45. And I was like, oh, John O'Ran and some guys were reporting. CBS making pit stops out to Romo's house just to make sure. Or, hey, let's go to dinner and talk about hey, like, how this what, year go? Like what's going on. Do you know what I wonder, though? And the, I mean, we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about it. I wonder if Nance told. You remember? Because remember last week, I was like, "Man, Nance must be a saint." Mm-hmm. Do you, like, do you remember? I do those remember discussions? that. It's like maybe Nance isn't as cool as we thought. Maybe Nance is like, "Gosh, you know what? I don't feel like this guy prepares very well. I'm gonna go ahead and tell." And CBS is like, Psst, "Hey, Tony, next year we have the Super Bowl." Button it up. <laughs> well, and think about who you'd rather lose, Tony Romo or Jim Nance. And let's not let's not fail to mention when you pulled his salary up the other day, couldn't eight, believe it. Eighteen million. Could not believe how much money he got paid. Why do we pay so much for those guys? That's a lot, man. That's a well. Ton. Wh- what was 
what was his like salary halfway through his career in the NFL? Like, I, I bet it was probably around twenty million. I don't right? know. Is that too high to <laughs> guess I, I from when know. he played? Could be a big one. <laughs> big play, Jim. No. So I just wondered if you needed an intervention. Although CBS is not calling it an no. intervention, they meet with their talent regularly to talk. <laughs> How about a beer? <laughs> yeah, but let's just sit down and have a little chat. We uh, did a little chatting at dinner, too, on Saturday night. Went to Osaka, yeah. which is right down the road from Hillbar. Next City door. Club. And um, let's just say I had a Seinfeld moment. Really? When I walked into this place. Did so, you need a reservation? It was packed. Stop it. It was. Let me tell you how busy it was, DB. So we walk in, 6.55, reservation at 7. Always early. Always have to be a little bit early. Hey, reservation. It's like, what's the name? Andrew. Uh, Andrew, at 7, you got it. And, like, I had to walk through a flood of people. Like, I felt like, is it Moses that parts the seas? Like, yeah. I felt like him. Did you have an Aaron help um, you with the staff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, man, I, I get man, up there. Man, what a great game. And, and he goes, all right, it's probably going to be like 20, 30 minutes. I kind of like shook my head a little bit. And I looked, I looked back at him and I said, but I have a reservation. Here we go. At seven. Here we go. And he's like, yeah, but you have a big party and like uh, some people are still eating. And I'm like, well, like, why are you? What do why you do why at, aren't the tables cleared why, for my what, reservation what, what at do you seven? Do, what do you do reservations for? And so, like, I'm, I, I thought about the moment in Seinfeld when he rents the car. <laughs> and he, like, walks up and he's like, I'm like, do you know, like, what a reservation is? I think I know what a reservation is. I don't think you do. If you had a reservation, my table would be ready. She like a small car? I have a compact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nah, it's not what the reservation is. I'm like, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation that is pretty good a reenactment and really that's the most important part of the reservation the holding and then he's like anybody can just take them <laughs> can you imagine if i did that in osaka anybody can just take them no so i i wanted to say i had a seinfeld moment because you know not to say that my life's a sitcom even though sometimes it feels like it is um i just casually kept my mouth shut and walked over to the bar because, like, right when you walk in, the bar's to your left. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was like talking myself up, like, oh, it's 7.30 rolls around. That's when I'm going to throw hands because I'm starving at this point. So, Ashley, I mean, she was. Mary Kate and Ashley. She was even hungrier than I was. Yeah. And she would walk up like every 10 minutes asking, like, where the table was. Is she a, is she a principal person? Like, you know. When she's hungry. It's the principle of the matter. Oh, so she does get hangry, huh? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So we're we're you're 15 minutes in. I'm so we're 15 sure. minutes in. I'm standing by the bar, and then room opens up right next to the hostess stand, and I take my spot right there because I'm like. Did they I'm, say reservations for Rogers, or did you just go? No, I had a reservation. No, like did they come get you? Oh, they came and got me. Okay. Yeah, because the, the, everybody was- I thought I was, I, with the way you just said that, I was like, okay, so you saw some people leave, so you just ran and sat down. Oh, no, 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 at the bar. Okay. So the bar is like right next to the hostess stand. And so I'm standing there, and I'm texting you. It's like 729, because I'm like, 
you would not believe what I'm going through right now. Because all last week you were like, I mean, you don't need a reservation. Like, if you want to play it safe, like, I'd get, get a, a reservation. reservation yeah. And I'm a guy that likes to play it safe. So I'm like, I'm going to do that. And I mean, if, if I had 10 people and showed up at Osaka, we wouldn't have sat down. I didn't realize it was 10. So, yeah, maybe if it was just two. Yeah, I that, and that's kind of what, what I was thinking. And good on you, too, because I knew you had some buddies in town, but I'm not sure. Ah, maybe I would. I don't know how many people I would share my birthday experience with. Like, mm-hmm. to, to you know, to go eat dinner. Because I don't like to talk while I eat. Right. And we didn't really do a lot of talking. <laughs> you know, there. We were just scarfing. <laughs> By the time, it's, it's 8 o'clock while we're and eating. I, and I realize, like, you get, you know, you catch up with the fam during the course of the day. But outside of that, I don't like a lot of extracurricular while I'm eating. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man. Before we got seated, it's like 729. I'm, I'm mid-text to you. Because I showed it to, like, everybody else there. I'm like, this is the guy I was about to text. <laughs> And I'm halfway through the text. I'm like, DB, Monday's going to be a thriller. Osaka's not going to hear the end of it. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And uh, right as I'm about to text, Osaka's not going to hear the end of it. (laughs) Rogers, 10. I'm like, you got so lucky. And I started backspacing on your text. Yeah. So was it what? I mean, since you're busy... You know, upset with them. Would you like to say something good? Since I'm sure they'll <laughs> be walking great. door by the next door by the time. No, we're the done food recording. was awesome. Hibachi is so good. Yeah, so he, good. he got I, buckets. I, I still can't believe he brought a gun to the locker room in an NBA game. But after, outside of that, <laughs> Hibachi was great. <laughs> yeah, you texted me that. <laughs> oh, Gil Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> Hibachi. Hey, so how, so what did you go with? Steak and scallops. Mm. Are you? Please tell me you're not a scallops person. Uh, I'm not a huge scallop guy, but since shrimp came with it, like you got two pieces of shrimp, I'm like, I'm going to try scallops. Scallops are amazing. Like if I ever, like if somebody hurts my family or something, or I don't know, you're gonna some random way I, random, I wind up on death row, uh, my last meal will absolutely include scallops. Dude, scallops are good. And it, they don't go with lamb. But I'm going to get both because be, I'm going to overdo it and I'm going to indulge. Yeah, well, it's kind of like when I get steak and scallops. It's like, do those go together? <laughs> Absolutely. That's your version of surf and turf. Uh, well, I guess. I, well, oh, selfish. Maybe a little. Scallops are fantastic. Well, so if done correctly, they would be better to me if they didn't. And I don't want to like knock scallops because I I do eat them. A little more rubbery than shrimp. Ah, uh, see, they ain't do it right. They ain't do it right. All right, if you're a texture person, that's what everybody says about scallops. I don't like to t- you have they have to be done correctly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I mean, even a even a medium rare steak can be a little jelloy mm-hmm. if it's if the temp is off a couple right. of degrees, right? But I feel like if you got a medium rare steak and it ended up being medium, it'd still be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I remember we we got into it's my barber's cut my hair for 29 years. Yeah. Almost, almost 30. And you're loyal. We've been in two huge, like I would say, yes, I definitely do not have commitment issues with my barber. We've been in two, like I would say, lasted more than an hour arguments. One was over steak. (laughs) Unbelievable. He's a total foodie. He travels around the country to eat. Which is your dream job. He was, he was. He has a personal chef that he hires sometimes for special occasions. I'll tell you about him later. He's on Instagram. He's amazing. 
He cuts his hair too, Chef Joel. But anyway, Lorenzi? No. Um, is he tomorrow? Is he tomorrow? Because I want to talk to him about something he said about Creighton defensively the other day. Uh, and it was over. It was over stake because he's one of those guys. And sometimes I think it's a cultural thing, but he like he doesn't mind a like a brown steak, and I'm like, what hamburger? You can't do you know. And so we just went back and forth, and it ended up. Sounds and this like was just grandpa. like this was just like three years ago. And he's like, at the very end, he goes, "Hey man, you know your appointment on Fridays is replaceable. You don't have to come back." Dead serious. We're like 30 minutes into this back and forth. You're like, of I'll, all I'll the, eat a hamburger too. Listen, then. we've talked about, he's a non-vax guy. We, we've had some knockdown dragouts over philosophical beliefs. He loves to watch courtroom TV, so we argue about, you know, political things. Mm-hmm. We t- you know, because he's super well-rounded. And steak was almost the deal the so i don't so i don't know can you imagine people, because people like their steak how they yeah. like their steak though and yeah and there's so many steak snobs right i mean there this looks like it's 136 degrees that's closer to medium you bring your well, own temperature your own meat temperature Dude, you ever seen thermometer guy it's like you know because you could do that whole finger test thing thermometer yeah i don't know about steaks pizza that's a better that's a better example like People would be more willing to compromise on a pizza that's a little off than a steak, don't Absolutely. you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I well, some and more times than not, pizza isn't as expensive as your steak. Yeah. Now, if you're making it at home, it's a little different story. But if you go somewhere and you're like, "I'm getting a steak versus a pizza," that's why I think you're more willing to compromise. So I was at Just Good Meats. I was looking for these particular burgers they had. They're called Pat Burgers, and they're amazing. Long story: We've we're not. This isn't a food show. We suppose we got to land the plane. But well, it's, if it's, it was a food show, it'd be different. It'd be different. <laughs> but it does tie in Nebraska because I was talking to my guy Sean, and and I was just I was giving him a hard time about not maximizing their social media, uh, their Twitter account, and social media in general because there's a New Mexican place I told you about Avila's that. Their the, Facebook has been like their saving grace, this food lovers segment, and and so they they blow up, man. I swung by there Saturday. It was like ten o'clock. There were like fifteen cars there, right? But anyway, I was like, yeah, you know, you got to use your use your social media. You know, Coach Rule is super pumped about. You know, you guys want to take care of him. I think he's coming on Thursday. I said he's swinging by the shop. He goes, no way. And I said, yeah, man. I said, team beef jerky. You know, whatever. We're just going back and forth. She goes, hang on. I got a gift. Uh-oh. <laughs> so my man goes back there. He's, he's gone for like five, six minutes. He cuts up these fatties. Vacuum seals them. He's like, you got to tweet it to him. You got to tweet it to him. Is that got, why you tweeted the ribeye? I'm like, he's coming on Thursday. He's like, no, man. I, I wanna, I, I'm trying to. Let's do this social media thing on Twitter. So I tweeted it out. <laughs> Coach wrote text back. And he goes, hey. We'll get back in town on Thursday, man. I'm stopping in. Tell them to be ready. I said, see how easy that is? Right. Like, social media is powerful. It is. It it's is got very a po- huge reach. Dude, did you see those stakes, though? Oh, they were massive. Oh, and they were red. Dude, like, that's something to keep in mind. just cut those. 
They're inch and a halfers. Oh, Team Fatties. I couldn't believe it. He goes, here's your little gift, too, and it was in, like, a pa- yeah, paper. I, I didn't look. I didn't read what it was. I, I just put it in the, I put it in the freezer. Flank steak. <laughs> uh, I could, listen, I could rock some flank. I know you can, but versus that ribeye, yeah. you'd be like, come yeah, on. I, I, I am team ribeye. <laughs> so, I mean, rolls out, out, out and about again in mm-hmm. Dallas this weekend. The Mavericks? <sighs> well, Taking on Kyrie? Sure, sure. Oh, you mean Matt I Rule. can't believe that. I mean, Micah, mornings with Micah, he was like, Dad. Yeah, man, when are we calling Micah? I don't know. He's probably in the car now. He's not happy. They, they No, they're not quite in the car. They took an L yesterday, and he's oh, man. still beside himself. <laughs> they played a team that made, I don't know, 10 field goals, and I think eight were threes. Yeah. Yeah, get out and guard the yard, buddy. If they're making them, you know who else made eight threes? A guy named Seth Lundy. <laughs> hey, they want they beat a good, not a good, a, a, a bubble, a fringe Penn State team and kept Pickett in check. And they did that in the first game, too. Because Pickett is the real. Yeah, but they had Bando. They had Bando Mills. That so is true. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was that the game he got hurt? Uh, was, was that Penn I think State? Th- I think that was yeah. the game he got hurt. And... Like, because Pickett gets buckets. I mean, oh, yeah. He's dude's a, a wooden finalist for a reason, right? Uh, but, I mean, Lundy got hot, but they don't have Casey. How do you like that, dude? What a game that was to watch, especially. <laughs> was that him. not nuts? We're like making dinner. Mike is like, no way. <laughs> Kato was just getting home from practice, and he's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah, we're serious. Well, what's crazy is you, you go into that matchup, and of course the team thinks they're going to win, but I don't think a lot of other people thought they were going to what win. What was the lo- – was Penn State favored? Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, are you said it like – are you sure? But most teams are favored against Nebraska. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a safe bet, but you never know. Like, some, like Indiana was favored over Purdue. Sometimes you just get hey, those lines. Vegas just knows the outcome. It's because it's all scripted. <laughs> okay, Arian Foster. <laughs> I see. You know, I hope people. Do, he's getting killed. But they, I, I hope they people they know that he was. They don't take good humor, man. I, I they hope they know. Humor. But there are like players that were getting mad at him, like NFL guys. Yeah, because they bought into the. Narrative. I'm like, I don't think he was being serious. Oh uh, yeah, Penn State was favored. What was the line? Uh, four and a half. Yeah. So not crazy. Well, obviously not with how Nebraska played. They got it. No, I'm not even going to allow myself. I'm just going to stay in the moment. I was going to try to predict a couple more wins. Not going to do it. <laughs> not not going not going to do it. Rue down. Well, hey, we'll still talk Nebraska basketball more in our next segment. We'll talk Creighton basketball following that. We have Sam McEwen at eight o'clock, and then Mike Tanier at eight uh, forty-five. Um, have we gotten Mike yet? Like, has Mike been close every time? No, that is. Uh, it's deep. It's at DP Sharks. Who's that, Shane? Twitter. That's the guy. Davenport. Yeah. Davenport. Gary. Yes. We've gotten so close to Gary. Gary. <laughs> you. You wanted me to say that. I know it. Uh, it's, isn't it weird though? In my mind, I can't remember the name, but I could. I know what the Twitter mm-hmm. handle looks like. Which is you're ridiculous sometimes. Uh, everybody has. Everybody has their mechanisms. Hey, DB. Speaking of Twitter, our poll question of the day: Who was the bigger star of the weekend? Was it Trey Alexander? Gosh, he was good. Or was it? Kese Tomonaga. You can vote on Twitter. Both were 
influential and impactful to their team's wins. Uh, but you decide at home. HVAR City Radio, that's where you can vote on the poll question. Um, as we head into our break, go ahead. Who made more threes? What, Trey made five, and Casey made, made, he made six? Less? Five. Oh, five Trey was five of nine. Casey was five of ten. And Trey made more free throws. Dude. Which... Down the stretch matters a lot. <laughs> we'll get all of it. We'll talk Nebraska basketball more next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, how about this on Twitter? Our good friend Darcy, Shane's bestie, wishing me a happy belated birthday on Twitter. Oh, Thank that's you, Darcy. nice. Darcy is part of the Dingman's family, and it is the perfect time to tell you about Dingman's <laughs> Collision Center. Four locations happy throughout belated birthday, the Anna metro Ruth. area, along with the standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. You know what, Darcy? I bet you were first to actually tell me happy birthday by giving me a gift on Friday's live show. You just didn't know it. Hey, so she I'm, just didn't know it. I'm Thursday at 11. At Dingman's to get yeah. your oil changed? Yeah, and I think they're going to be right on time because I think I have a slow leak. Are you gambling by, I, like, waiting this long? Because you said it came on Friday. Well, I'm at 14K miles, 14,000. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I'm 4,000 miles over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're going to pull out your dipstick, and they're going to be like, yes, yeah, sir, I don't know how this car Listen, is running. If, any, if anybody knows anything about me and car maintenance, that's why I lease. <laughs> I just don't want the headache. You lease just in case it breaks down on the side of the I road, like and you're like, I'll just get the newer model. Hey, so full disclosure, I've been putting air in my tire every eight days for like a month. Because I'm, I, th- I convinced myself it was the cold weather, and my thing is really sensitive. But perhaps something may be wrong with my tire. <laughs> Please tell me you had a nail in it. Dude, I have more tire issues than anybody in the U.S. I don't know. I mean, I had when two I, in three weeks. Funny you say that. Whenever I had this car, this little guy out here, I call it a deer magnet. Um, if, if there's any hunters out there that just want my car to be placed in the middle of the field so deer will come, it's kind of like Field of Dreams. And uh, hit a deer before? Oh, three times. Three oh, times. I would be terrified. In that car. I would be terrified. I also uh, totaled my other car because I hit a deer on the highway. Yeah, let's not give me rights. So, I hit two deer on the highway. I stopped running into not, things not years easy. ago. Not easy. Well, so the first time I hit a deer on the highway, I, I pulled over, and I'm like freaking out because it's pitch black outside. I don't know what I hit. My car's not starting, so I call like the police because you're supposed to report all those, th- all those things. And I'm sure you followed the rules, too, my little rule follower. Dude, my hands were gripped to the steering wheel even when they came up because I was in so much shock. Because, like, all you hear is just a thud. And you're like, what the heck just happened? You're just driving on the highway. And so the cop comes up and goes, yeah, you know, you got some hair and some blood at the front of your car. And I thought I hit a person. And he goes, oh, no, 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 it's just, it's just a deer. I go, why didn't you lead with that? Old school creep show. Thanks for the ride, lady. 
Which well, I, I was in I might even city. get into that because I know you probably. I was in Sioux City in the homeless. Shane, do you remember that creep guy. show? Thanks for the ride. And that's why I thought I did. So you hit a person? I no, I hit a deer and it went like twenty feet. Stop um, it. But I'll tell you what, if that ever happened again, I would go to Dingman's because they've been in the business for 25 years and they're family owned and family run. And I like to support local and you should, too. Um, Then thank goodness for Bluetooth because they tell you happy birthday. And they tell me happy birthday, even though like, well, yeah, they're the only they're the only ones that tell me happy birthday, I should say. I think I told you happy birthday. No, no, no. I meant like business wise, like my my. Mortgage guy sent me a happy birthday email. Yeah, you just made him quite my, a bit my of money. Dentist, <laughs> my dentist sends me a happy birthday email. Also somebody that I pay a lot of money to. So it's the people that I pay. Darcy's not one that <laughs> says it because I oh, pay her a lot of she's money. One of your she fr- is genuine. She's one of your free friends. <laughs> she is genuine. How's the poll question doing? I think I need to retweet that. So I'll the poll question of the day, uh, we'll go back to it. Who was the bigger star of the weekend? Was it Kasey Tomonaga or was it Trey Alexander? Uh, 59 votes so far, um, and people are leaning Tomonaga, which um, doesn't shock me because he was probably more of the wow player of the weekend. But when you talk about bigger, if you really dive into the impact on the team, I would would still lean Trey Mm. because... It was kind of the Trey Kalkbrenner show, and there wasn't a lot of point spread. Meanwhile, what I thought Nebraska did a good job this weekend of was even though Derek Walker wasn't his typical efficient self, even though Sam Griesel didn't bounce into double digits like we saw in the previous game, they had production kind of spread throughout the team. And once again for the Blue Jays, you had no bench production. It's hey, a second straight day I don't or second think straight any, game. I don't think anybody that came off the bench for Creighton played more than didn't play double digits, right? Because we'll Farab- the stats here. Farabello only played like eight or nine, and there wasn't one starter for Creighton that played less than thirty-three minutes. Farabello played five. That, okay, yeah, and I knew it was in the single digits. Yep, and Miller played six. So you're right. So d- nobody in the starting lineup for the Jays played less than thirty-three minutes, right? Correct. Kaluma was thirty-three, nearly on the nose. That is. Heavy, heavy, heavy minutes. Well, and you, it, I don't know, we were going to. At, at one point, did you think that Creighton was going to blow that thing open? I, Well, blow it open and then blow it up. I thought there were two different points in the game. That I, I never that. felt good enough about Villanova's offense. Even when they took the lead, what was it, 52-51 or 51-50, something like that. It they was. Were, they were having to work too hard. Are you talking about the first time they took the in lead? In the second half. Yeah. Because I think Dixon got the little lefty hook uh, in the end one. And by the way, he was working out on King. They had to get Kalk back in a hurry. But then he went right at Kalk, too. But um, I felt like they had to work too hard. Did it surprise you at all that down the stretch of that basketball game, that not not the Villanova game, the Nebraska game, we'll just kind of bounce back and forth for yeah. the next two segments. I think that'll be better. Did it surprise you at all that Tominaga was on the bench? Um, no, because his inability to guard, I agree, is is a problem. I agree, it's a problem. Defensively, it's where his biggest hole in his game is. Offensively, you'll take what he was doing all day, and and that's the risk reward. But while you're saying that, I'm going back to Micah when he said, "You know, Dad, on the sneak, Coach Ludke was subsing offense for defense all game." I mean, for, for prep. Is he the best coach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, anyway. 
managing minutes for Hoiberg yesterday and working guys in and out, he was pretty good yesterday. I, I like I could totally see what he was trying to do, especially at the end when trying, trying to, to win with the substitution patterns. I Fred was on. See, that's the thing though that's mind-boggling, and not to go all. Thank you, guys. Um, you know. Twitter exchange, but I was telling you about the Twitter exchange the other day between um, Big Red Cast and mm-hmm. and <laughs> I always say I can't even say his name um, without people not taking me serious. But they were going back and forth over knowing basketball and not knowing basketball and wanting to validate Coach Hoiberg. And those are one of the like yesterday is a microcosm of why it's frustrating. He hit you with the three game stretch last year, and but then you know it's like. Basically, it's what um, our guy Honky said at, at on Twitter. That's his last name, by the way. Um, he's like, yeah, 30% win clip low. Stop making excuses after year four. But then you're like, yeah, but. No, 30% win clip after year four. And you're like, yeah, but. Yesterday was a yeah, but game. Like, how undermanned are they? It's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And 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 so they, they, they find ways to just stay in it. Being void of talent, right? So you don't – you want to stay in the moment and recognize the job that's being done, but then you look at it in its totality and you're back straddling the fence again. I wonder what the majority of the fan base wants. Like the paying customers that go to PBA, I wonder what they want to see. I do. Outside of a win? Well, that uh, yeah. Let's outside let's of the start, obvious. Yeah, let's start with the that's the given, <laughs> right? I mean, do they think about eleven mil? They don't. It's not their money, but fiscal sap. I don't know. I, it's such a tortured fan base, and it has been for a little while. But can you imagine? And here's the crazy thing: Can you imagine if they just won? Because there are a lot of Nebraska basketball fans. They're there really are. They and they're waiting for something to to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So do you, I, it's like, I mean, that was a fantastic coaching performance yesterday. Yeah, you There's have to no, get credit where credit's due. Fred no, no, did no, an awesome job. No, no two ways about it. But I don't know what you're doing if you're looking at the at the at the bottom line. I mean, they won a game yesterday in which they were underdogs at home, and Derek Walker was in single digits. It's kind of been the name of the game. For the last, well, they took five good care of the basketball games. too, though. That I think was the biggest takeaway. Eight, eight turnovers. Great point there. Uh, not even. I think it was seven. Yeah, somewhere. Around so it, seven turnovers opposed to what twenty-seven assists or something like yeah. that, which is. And they kept um, Penn State or Penn State, who doesn't really turn it over anyway, right. kept them down. To, and Penn State was in single digits. But that's a, that's too. a season low um, from not turning the ball over. In the last three games, Nebraska has allowed the other team to score 72-plus yeah. points. Yep. 72. It's amazing what you can do when you hold a team to the 60s. Didn't shoot it well. 24-60 is not going to get her done. Hey, conversation continued. Uh, we'll talk Creighton and uh, Nebraska more next. Coffee and Crane with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. 
a continuation of college basketball here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Following a 72-63 win uh, for Nebraska over the weekend, that was Fred Hoiberg's 11th win of the season with this team. That's the most in his coaching era with the team. Uh, and there's still seven games remaining. So you asked the question... What are fans thinking about when they show up at PBA? Um, because a lot of question marks surround Hoiberg and his ability to not only lead this team, but lead any Nebraska team. And I think it starts there. I think it starts at getting this 11th win for him because you can at least say that in a season, a season of woes, that Hoiberg and his team still compete, and they are getting better even though... How it began, it didn't start off strong. So I think that's, that's a big takeaway. And I, I wonder if a lot of people are thinking about that too when they think, oh man, you know, this is somebody that if we could get a different coach in here, we could make the NCAA tournament. Let's just say if you had Bill Self, you wouldn't make the NCAA tournament with uh, the struggles that this team has gone through. Bill Self wouldn't change the team that is on the floor right now to get you to the NCAA tournament. Fred Hoiberg is, is just making do with what he has. And it's not to say that I, I, I'm knocking any players when I say that. It's just, you know, it's the truth. It's yeah. just what's in front of him. It's interesting. I, you know, and I asked Robin, like, can it look a certain way where when you're watching these games unfold, right? You're at Ann Arbor coming up, and then I think you got Wisconsin at home, and then you're at Rutgers, and then I think you have – Maryland at home so you're gonna go the next four you got two at two at the house and, and two on the road does the basketball need to look a certain way if you fa- if you fast forwarded past wins like if you're like well I don't think you're gonna win you know it's like can it look a certain way to buy yourself some time because for all that's happened for some reason how he's still only two games under 500 do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, they're still eleven and thirteen. But I don't know. The problem is, is over time, whatever is usually it's more of. So mm-hmm. guys and gals can be overexposed. Like if you're living on borrowed time, over time that typically reveals itself. If you're pretty talented and you get off to a slow start, over time that typically right. will reveal itself. So. I don't know. Can can Lawrence continue to shoot the ball well? I don't. I don't know how I feel about Tominaga over time. Um, but I mean, what are you going to do for depth in terms of scoring punch? You mentioned the defensive stats. You know, the three consecutive games over seventy points, and this team was built on defense. Then we talked about how he had flipped the roster. And the mentality from a year ago, and, and from pace and space to mm-hmm. gritty grinders, they may have to go back to trying to score again. And I don't, I still don't think that's the way that they can play. Because I don't think it's sustainable. You talk about sustainable. How, how about like the context of this? College, college sports in general is built off of win loss. It's not really built on hey, what Aesthetics. wins you get. 
Yeah. Like, hey, you beat Creighton this year. That's a big win. You're going to save your job because you beat Creighton. No, if you would have beaten three D2 schools and that would have showed up on your record, uh, and, and instead of looking 11 and 13, you now look 14 and 11, people would be like, oh, Fred Hoiberg's having a, having a good year because everything is so win-loss oriented. So whether you win games, whether you lose games, your job is always on the line, no matter what. Hot take. No matter what. Hot take. You always have to win games to kind of keep the mantra positive. It's not about, hey, we, if we're talking football, if we're talking Big Ten football, you beat Ohio State and you beat Iowa in the same season. Uh, but you end up going three and nine. People are going see. To be, I don't know if I agree people, with that. People are not going to be happy I don't three know and I, nine because you're going to say, "Why didn't you make a bowl game if you could beat Ohio State?" I don't know about that. I, I think there was a stretch here over these last eight nine years where Nebraska could not have had a winning record, but if they would have beaten the right teams, it would have kept it would have kept folks at bay. I, I mean, that's just the sentiment I get. I, I'm serious. Like, if you get the you go four and eight and you beat Wisconsin and Iowa in the same year. I, I mean, look at Nebraska basketball, for instance. We're still talking about Iowa and Creighton. <laughs> I don't know about Iowa as much as Creighton. Oh, my gosh. You didn't hear yesterday th- that, hey, man, they were ranking the wins. It's the third best take, win. Take right, the positives. Right, right behind Creighton and Iowa. And I'm like, it's not going to save Fred Hoiberg's job ranking those wins. It's, and it was so long ago, though. Right, that's a vastly different team. I, I, I think ultimately it comes down to continuing to develop because for whatever the reason, uh, and it's got to be part of the culture, so I think at some point you have to tip your cap to the staff. Like they bring it almost every night when it would be pretty easy not to. They started Sam Hoiberg. Not last night. No, I'm just saying in general. They've started Sam Hoiberg. Like, like – that's hard to play Big Ten basketball like that. No disrespect to Sam, but you can't be starting your son and expecting to contend in the Big Ten. Now, whatever, I think you only play 11 games that night or 11 minutes that night, but that, that, that's the, mm-hmm. that's, it's like you're, you're trying to play poker and you're, con- you're, I mean, you're playing 6-8 offsuit, right? You're playing jack-9. Right. I mean, they're okay hands, and listen, you need the flop to go right, but you, you're not—you just can't make a living at the table. So I, but again, when you pit it against the backdrop of the t- totality of the three and a half years, that's where you get the pushback. And I wonder because it's weird how it's starting to come up, just like football did. People start looking at the buyout number. And I think this is arguably – that's not even arguable. I think this is his best coaching job. <laughs> I really do. First of all, we act like he didn't just flip the culture in a year. And, yeah, I know you can do that with basketball, but he did. Went from space and pace and shoot the ball to, you know, kind of grind you up, playing with good defense, and he recruited that way. All right? So, like, that unto itself, he's had some turnover in his staff, and that's – been a positive so it's like gosh do you need a starting point remember how we wanted to see a football coach just gosh if you just tweak a few coordinators and up here we go we're on another offensive coordinator and oh man if he would just get rid of this guy is his dc you know we started trying to 
to rationalize if you just swap out a few pieces how close are you i don't i don't know what the sentiment is with nebraska's fan base because there's enough of them out there have they seen enough or is this year enough to say man if you just give him the pieces i think he can coach i thought he was fantastic yesterday there's no two ways about it and i know tomonaga got hot but we're underselling how he utilized and strategized with the roster in terms of offense for D. De- I thought he was fantastic yesterday, and I don't think that's drinking one bit of Kool-Aid. No, there's moments that he's had, you know, great coaching outings, and there's other ones where, you know, you kind of shake your head. But this year he's been dealt a hard hand, and there's no doubt about that. I don't, I don't think anybody's arguing that. But I, but I will say, you know, at the end of the day, what's taken into the most account it feels is win-loss record. And somebody that does win a lot is Coach McDermott. And, uh, you know, on that Creighton side of things, the moment in that game that kind of scared me was with three minutes to go, Ryan Kalkbrenner heads to the baseline to take a charge mm. with four fouls. Did you like that? Do you think he got lucky? Or do you think in that moment you would tell your player, hey, just let him go? Yeah, so – I. Because uh, in that moment for me, I'd say let him go. You have four fouls. You're too impactful down low it's for just the rest hard, of this it's game. Just, but I you think, also don't want to play scared. I think at that stage of the game. Now, if there's six, seven minutes left, okay, I could see it. But in a tightly contested game where it seemed like every two points was going to matter, I think you make that play. Man, I was holding my breath. I think you make that play every day that ends in – and why. And, why. And, and it's just hard to tell competitors, hey, man. Like, again, six, seven minutes to go. Um, hey, maybe you don't you – don't, you let that one go. But in a tightly contested game, you're getting ready to get under the four-minute mark. I, don't, I, th- I think you need to stop. Paid off. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, do you get the Whitmore buzz? I think he's just on a bad team. We talked about all these fr- – we talked – what was that, Thursday, Wednesday? We talked about all these right. freshmen and – I mean, I, being a potential lottery pick, I think people are kind of, like, reaching. But at the same time, crazier things have happened. It's, I, 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 I don't get it. I think it's hard to – I think it's hard to function in any level of basketball when you don't shoot it well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think of when you talk about buzz, this completely different example here. But when Michael Porter Jr. was at Mizzou, he played like three games Mm -hmm. and the state of Missouri was going or like the buzz around him was insane. Number one pick. Oh, he's going to go top three in the draft. And then all of a sudden he goes like still 12 or 13 and he played three games like buzz is like kind of crazy in how it can land you a place but it also goes to show that nba scouts know a lot more than me when it comes to and i always uh, think too like i think you always start with talent i i I mean we've seen it right Mm -hmm. i watch i'm i watch it all the time and it starts young it's we like to blame nba and nfl on oh man taking a chance on talent listen you see it all you see it at the high school level i look at I look at wins and losses and how people play in crunch time, and then I look at like how people fawn and how they can throw or catch or run in shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm like, you guys aren't interested in winning. <laughs> You're not. Like those guys don't win. <laughs> Sam McEwen up next.
Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know, and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us on the show. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, and also happy to have Sam McEwen joining us, as he does every Monday morning. Sam, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Sam, good morning. We're hanging in. It's Super Bowl week, right? (laughs) Does it seem like it? Are you, like... There's so much going on in the sports landscape, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my goodness, it's Super Bowl week. Does it feel like Super Bowl week? No, not really. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that, that you know, it won't be a, a fun game and, and, and a competitive game. But, uh, no, like it, it doesn't really feel like that. I, I think uh, when you have two weeks between it, it just you lose a little bit of that momentum, and you know, it's it's uh, it's a team that a lot of people don't know a lot about, which is the Eagles. Um, they kind of flew under the radar this year, even though they had the best record in the NFC. And it's a team that people know everything about, and that's the Chiefs. So it's it's not it's not you know like uh, two powerhouses or anything like that. Sam, uh, another team that uh, flew under the radar on Sunday, if you were a Penn State fan. <laughs> was uh, Nebraska, and uh, they get the win, 72-63. You know, now that got Hoiberg up to 11 wins, it's the most in his um, coaching era, and he still has seven games remaining in the regular season. Where do you see that total climbing? Do you see two, maybe three more on the schedule that Nebraska can nab? I do, yeah. I I think they've got a great opportunity Saturday against Wisconsin. Um. Wisconsin's struggling. You know, they're struggling to score. Well, that Northwestern and game was kind of a shocker. Yeah, it was. Um, and the Northwestern is, you know, this is a they're, culmination of a four-year process for them. So, they're peaking. I, I agree. I, I do I do think Northwestern is pretty good. I've said that for about three yeah. weeks. So, uh, But I, just the lulls that they go through and how they execute in crunch time, Wisconsin – I don't know, man. It's uh, it, you're right. It's struggle may be the right word. Yeah. So I, you know, and Greg Gard's going to be, you know, they got rid of Paul Chris, and I, I don't know that Greg Gard's done a heck of a lot better um, in recent years. So we'll see what happens. I know they won the Big Ten title last year, but or they tied for it. Um, but Wisconsin's one, Minnesota's another. Um, Michigan State—that's a tough team for Fred Hoiberg to beat because of the way they play and their pace. Um, but, you know, that's on there. And Maryland. You know, I think Maryland's absolutely a team that Nebraska can beat on the right night. Um, they haven't done it in the Foyberg era. But, but that's not a great shooting team, you know. And if they miss a bunch of threes, they did not when they played Nebraska the first time. But if they miss a bunch of threes, there's a chance. So I think Nebraska can win 13 or 14 games. It's possible. And I think that'd probably be enough to, to run it back with Fred for year five. Sam, if you're taking a look at – the rest of the Big Ten, obviously the big one with Purdue and Indiana this week. And Indiana, who was actually favored in that one, uh, gets the win. 
Who's the next best team in the Big Ten for you? Well, I think on the right night, um, I'll take Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they've got a really good player in Shannon. Obviously, they lost by a couple to Iowa. Um, I think Illinois is the team. When I think about best, I'm thinking about what you can do in the NCAA tournament. And I think Illinois has got a team that can go to the Sweet 16 um, because they've got a you know a lead guard. They're pretty physically tough. Um, that's probably been the team that I, I've that's you know jumped out at me at times this year. Uh, Indiana's obviously got a great player, um, and you know Hutchinson hit some shots. Uh, important ones against Purdue. Um, so I think there's a you know but but they're up and down. Uh, Michigan State, I, I don't love that team, but, you know, Izzo's the coach, and you can, you know, you can always count on him to, to get some stuff done. So Does, I don't know if there's another Sweet 16. I think Purdue might be the only one, but, but Illinois, right night, Northwestern can beat you. Uh, and then Rutgers is, is really tough. You remember Houston had a Final Four team, I think, a couple years ago, or an Elite Eight team. I think it was a Final Four team, mm-hmm. and they almost got knocked out by Rutgers in the second round. So Rutgers plays that sort of isolated ball where you know, good, good defensive length too. Win. Right, right. It's interesting. So that, is, that guy's a hell of a coach. Yeah, Pykele. That's why they just locked him up. I think he just got eight for thirty, eight thirty-one or something like that. I believe it. Yeah, he's a good coach. Does a sixth-way tie for third sound right in the Big Ten? It does. It does. I think you're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight, nine seeds. Again, no, no elite teams, but maybe, maybe uh, Purdue. Well, Purdue is an elite team, but you know, you got Purdue, and then maybe one other team getting to the Sweet Sixteen. I think it's going to be a lot of different leagues in the Sweet Sixteen. I think I, you know the Big Twelve will get maybe two. The idea that they're going to get five, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think they have very good teams, but. They're going to have some teams that get surprised in the first round. Uh, won't shock me if there's a West Coast Conference team there, uh, Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Houston, obviously, will be there. Uh, there'll be one or two ACC teams. And it's not going to shock me if North Carolina or Duke is one of them. I think both those teams have a lot of talent. They can screw around during the regular season, but when it comes time to play tournament games, they're going to be right there. Sam? question for you because we were chatting early on in the show about win-loss record and you know a lot about what fans may or may not be thinking about when they step foot into PBA on game day and you know I I brought something up and DB and I had a good back and forth conversation about it but I'm interested to gauge your thoughts how much do we focus on win-loss percentage, not, not just win-loss percentage, maybe just the wins versus the losses um, in regards to total um, when it comes to retaining a coach or, or figuring out how well a coach has done, whether it's in a year or throughout his career, versus, say, like a quality win. So, for example... Or a quality loss. For or, or a quality loss. So, for example, say this year, Nebraska ended up beating Purdue, and then they beat Creighton. Would people still be thinking, like, is Fred Hoiberg our guy because he doesn't have the wins to back it up, even though there are some quality wins there? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the, the, the minimum goal, really, for any power conference program is the NIT. And so you want to try to make that every year. 
in lieu of making that, you know, then you want to try to make the NCAA tournament. Um, so postseason play, the NIT or the NCAA. And Nebraska has not done that under Hoiberg. And I think that's, yeah, until he does that, I think people are going to have a serious question as to whether he's the right guy. Um, Collier made the NIT the number, number of times. Miles made it twice. And then he made an NCAA tournament. Actually, Miles made the NC, the NIT, uh, no, just twice. And then the NCAA tournament once. Doc made the NIT a couple, three times. Hoiberg hasn't made any of those. And so, you know, even if they had beaten Purdue, um, I think there's still a question mark about whether he's the right guy until he gets them to 500 regular season records. And, again, I think it's probably going to be enough um, because they had some injuries and that was a tough deal in the Big Ten. Gave them this brutally hard schedule, uh, especially in January. So, you know, let's let's check back at the end of February, and I think we're probably going to see like a 14 and 16 team. And then that, and then you think about, well, Gary and Bandemel might have gotten them an extra one or two wins, and so, um, you know, that's the way it'll be viewed, I think. And if they're 14 and, and 16, Sam, I think that would be amazing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm on record. I'm gonna tell you that right now. If they get to 14 and 16, because I don't see it, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be. It would be good. Um, again, that means beating Wisconsin. That means uh, beating Maryland. And that means winning another game and, and beating Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and one other game. Remember a and, week ago we think, we asked if there were two more wins on the schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I thought there was. Yeah, like I. I thought there was wins on the schedule. Um, that would be and, and so, like, I think, again, they, 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 I would suspect he's going to come back. But the question is, uh, what do you do in the off season uh, to to get you to get you over the hump? Yeah. You can't have five seasons of it. Like, you're going to have to figure out how to how to build a roster in the off season that gets you to the NIT or the NCAA. Shoot, I hear I hear fourteen and sixteen. I'm like, there's nothing to think about. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't think there would be. Yeah, uh, 14 and 16, there's nothing to think about. Uh, Sam, let me ask you, uh, fresh off of Coach Rule being in Texas, uh, you speaking to that staff, you got Wager, uh, you know what he's done with his chief of staff, you look at how the, the staff is compiled. Sam, how, does, how do you think Nebraska wants to recruit do you have a good idea now looking at how he's assembled his staff versus what they've done this first year? I think we have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think we, we, we can tell very clearly that Nebraska wants to recruit the state of Nebraska and the state of Texas very hard. And so I think you, you know, you're not going to have the same number of prospects each year. Mm-hmm. Out of the state of Nebraska, you're going to have roughly the same in Texas, but you know in Nebraska it's going to fluctuate. Um, last year was a really good year. I think this upcoming cycle is a really good, year. but it won't be that way every year. Uh, in Texas, you, you know they're going to want to try to get it appears six to eight prospects a year. They're probably not going to get you know top thirty prospects in Texas. That'll be tough to get Texas, the SEC, Oklahoma, A and M. Uh, but you can get a a the seventy fifth best prospect in the state of Texas, and you're getting a four-star. So um, I think they want to recruit Texas hard, and then I think they want to be able to keep their relationships in the big cities as you go toward the Big, big Ten footprint. So 
Chicago. I think Detroit eventually. I think Philadelphia. Uh, and then uh, whatever you want to call New Jersey, Newark, South Jersey, North Jersey, like so both of those. Um, you know, the, the suburbs of New York City and Philadelphia would tend to be better in football than the schools in New York City and Philadelphia. Um, and then, you know, they'll, they'll go get a quarterback wherever they have to. And that'll be, that'll, that list will start with Dylan Rayola. And if he chooses to go to USC, then, then the next guy probably on the list is Danny Kalen. Hmm. Interesting. Let me stay right there. We got into this long discussion last week, last Friday. It was myself, Sauter, and, and Andrew. Was that long? And we were talking about the inordinate number of Power 5 offers, and there'll be plenty more to come with the top six, seven guys in the state. And I we, start, we got into Coach Frost and that staff being really good in-state, and then there was the Riley Ducker year with Helms and those guys. And since then, it's kind of been hit and miss in-state. So I'm trying to set an expectation level of what we think would be a good haul. So given these personalities and a guy that's part of the Super 6, Carter Nelson, Caleb Benning, Danny Kalen, McMorris, Hall, Pyfram, and I'm going to throw in Ashton Murphy to give you seven. I set the total at three and a half of Nebraska, uh, Nebraska getting those guys. Given what you know, how hard they're being recruited around the country, what would be a good haul, no pun intended, for those seven? Is it three? Is it four? Is it five? What does Sam McEwen think? Wow, that'd be pretty good if they got blank number of those guys. If, if Nebraska lands Dylan Rayola, then I say four. If they don't, I say five. Wow, that Inter- seems high. Interesting. Five seems high, doesn't it? That would be, that would be extremely impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it would be impressive, but I think rules staff cares. Um, I do think that you know, if they want to get all seven of those guys, now that that's some of it, right? Like you gotta Man. They want all seven of them, but I think they do. Then I, I I anticipate you know getting four of those, and then Kalen is sort of the was a wild card. I mean, you, he isn't. Go- I, I, I'm sure he isn't going to feel put out if Dylan Riola goes to Nebraska. You can't turn that down. And nobody, nobody would. I, it, I, it could have been St. Flores, and it just doesn't make any difference. I mean, I've watched Riola throw. I, he's he's really good. So, so you you don't you don't take a second quarterback if you're taking him. That's just how that works, and that's okay. Um, but you know, I think they'll. I think they can do pretty good with some of the other ones out. Um. Now, if they hit on all the receivers they have right now, like then they may not want that many more receivers. Um, but I don't think they'll know if Bryce Turner and Jalen Lloyd and a few others are going to pan out for sure, for sure, mm-hmm. until you know, until the the twenty four twenty four cycle is over. I mean, I think Nick Morris is is uh, you know is a top one hundred player. I really do. Like I, he's the Caden Helms of this season. And I think by the end of this process, 
he'll he'll be way 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 up the list. And and so I I don't know what that means for him. This, he doesn't have an Oregon offer yet, does he? No. That'll come, right? Uh, he just got Penn State, right? He got just Penn State. Got Oklahoma. Um, there's not there's not a lot more for him to get. Like you know, Oregon will come through. I guess like the you know the 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 pinnacle of college offers is Alabama and Ohio State, but I think he'll get just about everything else up to that. So. You know he he'll be he'll be a tough one to get. Um, we'll just have to see. I'd say four. Is that you think that's high? I think I think I said Friday that I thought four would be exceptional. I I said three. Okay. Three three sounds low, but not that low. Four sounds great. Great. I, 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 now to be clear, I I think Nebraska is going to get Dylan Real. I whoa USC is the team that I think. Could, could derail that. Oh, it's interesting. Two weeks ago, it was Georgia, <laughs> right? W- no, what, what makes you me. say that? No, that's I know that I yeah I, I I'm talking about the national sentiment, Sam. Yeah, I if I were him, if I I'm, I who am I? I'm nobody. I would tell him not to go to Georgia. Like I don't I don't think that you know they haven't had a, an elite quarterback since uh, Matthew Stafford, and he, Stafford had a great career there, but. No, no, no. If, if, if I was going to advise him, it would be between USC and Nebraska, and Nebraska for obvious reasons, and quite frankly, USC for obvious reasons. Uh, they have a head coach that's coached three Heisman Trophy winners and uh, three first-round draft picks. Mm. I think the very first pick, you know, Baker Mayfield, I think he was the first pick. Kyle Murray was the first pick. Caleb Williams would be the first pick. I mean, USC is the other team. That, that, that's just... If he goes to Georgia, I'd just be stunned. Like I don't, I don't know what you would be going to Georgia to do. You want to be a defensive tackle? You go to Georgia. Mm, 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 mm. We're speaking with Sam McEwen. So I think they're going to get Dylan Rayola. So I don't think I don't think they will get a quarterback from the state of Nebraska. That's my hunch. If not Nebraska, then USC, and then you know. We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra, dropping. Takes on coffee. I like I like that. We're Sam. big fans. Yeah, I, huge fan. And you know, speaking of me being a fan of of one guy, and I I probably join the mass population when I say this, but uh, being a fan of Matt Rule is something that's easy to do. Um, but you know, I, I read something in your article over the weekend about uh, what Dave Tepper said, and you referenced it's something that he said, um, you know, last week, but calling him. Uh, a CEO type of head coach, yeah. and that's just not working. That was a mistake, is what he ended up saying. And you know, maybe in the NFL level, but at college, it seems like being a CEO is a good thing because you have so much administration to kind of oversee. And you know, in a lot of ways, because of all the moving parts of college sports, being a CEO is a good thing, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yes. Um, it, it's a much better fit in the college level, and, and I do think in the in the right fit in the NFL, you can do that too. I think what Tepper was saying, and it's probably not necessarily wrong, is that the NFL has gone toward this trend of like, although Frank Reich doesn't necessarily fit this trend, of like young, edgy offensive coordinators who like you know they call the plays and they're like you know geniuses and. They're so far into their work that they kind of leave the players to do what they want to do. 
And, you know, sometimes that backfires. You look at Nathaniel Hackett, he didn't know how to run a football game. But other times it doesn't backfire. You know, you, you look at uh, Shanahan or McVay and, uh, and, and they, they sort of fit the, other, they fit the other template. And so that seemed to be what he's going for. I think on the collegiate level, uh, a CEO coach is, is, is pretty important because not only are you the head coach, but you're effectively, you know, the talent acquisition guy, you're the draft guy, you have to run the whole thing. You're the team president on top of being the head coach. And so, you know, being able to have a grasp of every single detail is important at the collegiate level. And, and I think there's a number of head coaches who are very good at being CEOs. And, and I think that's, that's more rules MO. He's built a staff that um, is very much in tune with what he wants. He's built a huge staff, by the way. Um, it might be the biggest in the Big Ten. Uh, it's, yeah, that's it's, what they're saying. It's good size. It's very big, you know, and so, like, he's got a lot of people there that are working for him and working with him, all the King's horses and all the King's men, trying to put Nebraska football back together again. <laughs> Sam, so, bro. So, you know, I think. Humpty <laughs> Dumpty. <laughs> Sam, yeah. Sam you, you all in? Do you, do you get the family feel, Sister Sledge? We are family? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, I. I that's, I, I everybody talks about being a family, so I'm sure it is, and you know that's that's fine. I I'm more I'm more interested in how systems work and how those things sort of interlock together. So I've spent a lot of my rewinds talking about what a rebuild looks like, what his staff is, the challenges he faces. Uh, I, I'm going to try not to put narratives to that like mm. of course it's a family but you could ask everybody whether it's a family they're always going to say it's a family so as a reporter my job is to try to is to try to weed out the things that everybody says and look at the uniqueness of rules approach and there are unique things to it uh relative to what nebraska's done in the past and i think those are those are interesting things he i would describe him as off to being uh, to being off to a pretty good start Sam, one last thing. Uh, poll, our poll question of the day was, who was the bigger star of the weekend? you got a minute and a half here. Is it Trey Alexander or was it Keisei Tomonaga? Well, I mean, shoot. Uh, <laughs> so, so, listen, like, Keisei is, is, is a joy to watch. Um, he does so many fun things on the court. And if Nebraska were better, you know, he would be, he would be, you know, a story all the time. Creighton's playing more important games. And Trey Alexander was the reason they won that game. And so Creighton, Creighton is, is rounding into the team that I think it hoped it would be, with maybe the exception they'd like to have a little bit more production from their bench. And, you know, Trey Alexander is, is, is becoming – you know, of, of all the players on that team, you're like, the guy guy's going to play in the NBA for 10 years, Trey's the one. You know, he he does this stuff that, you know the thing that I love about Trey's game? Is when he catches the ball, he throws it right back to Nimhart. Like, he resets the play, and he just, he understands that stuff about the game, and that's part of why I like him. He's a very, very good player for great. Right. We appreciate it, Sam. Thanks so much for your time, as uh, you always give us on Monday. We appreciate you. All right. You don't know how Trey Alexander's important to that team? Guard's the best player. He shoots the technicals, and he gets double-digit shots up a game. Mm -hmm.
but a lot of people wouldn't say he's the best player. <laughs> we'll keep talking next. Most important. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to the show. Do you guys want to make DB happy at all? No. 888-638-4876. If you'd like to give him a call to talk NBA, that'd make DB very, <laughs> very happy. Uh, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. And, you know, DB, I, I'll play into your wheelhouse for a little bit, as much as I can. Um, the big news coming out of the weekend in the NBA was the Kyrie Irving trade to the Mavericks. And... Uh, as much as people want to knock Kyrie for his his life outside of basketball, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with Bobby Hole last week. Enigmatic, maybe? Kyrie makes that Mavericks team probably the best backcourt in the West. If they can play together. Assuming they can play together. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that leads the league in – and ISO minutes. Kyrie, and Luka Doncic. Kyrie, though, I mean, even in Brooklyn on the back end of, of this season, was starting to play away from the ball more yeah. and, and better, you would say. But you have Luka, who averages, what, like 33 a game? You have Kyrie that averages 27 a game. I mean, just right there, with everything that you gave up, you're the Mavericks, you give away picks, you give away players, like you good with Kyrie Irving for the rest of the year. I think, I think you say, hey, this right now, could give us a chance to actually come out of the Western Conference. Yeah, and I don't think Dinwiddie enjoyed being in Dallas. Um, if he could have stayed, I don't think he wanted to leave Brooklyn the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think getting getting him back, I think, was big, plus the pick. And I, I kind of like the Nets roster, too. Really? You man. think they're going to be able to say, hey, KD, just be patient, man? No, because I, th- I, I actually think they're – that roster, man, and I know you're not an NBA guy, but that roster is not is not bad. You're gonna start. You're gonna go with Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Durant, Ben Simmons, Ugh. and probably Nick Claxton. Ben Simmons? You mean Bum Simmons? That's not bad, though. I, I don't know how much longer KD wants to play with Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ben. I just don't – I think it's almost impossible to have a Ben Simmons and a Kyrie Irving on the same team over an extended period of time anyway. Is that because one can shoot threes and the other No, I, I, I think it's more the, the, the psychological stuff, the, the, the emotional stuff. I don't know. I, but if – I'll be curious to see – you know, the, all those isolations that Luka runs. Because it's clear that's not playoff winning basketball. It's good regular season basketball, but it's not going to win you anything in the playoffs. So maybe, well, obviously they're building for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But they they can score the basketball. What's Kyrie's contract like? So you're, he's going to be a rental because, you know, he wanted the max. He wanted the he wanted the what is it thirty eight mil, so I think Brooklyn wouldn't give him the long. Well, Andy deal. wanted to be traded. He so I think anybody that got him knew that this was a rental. Could you sign him for two more years though? I don't think he'll take a two year deal. If they, they might, if they won the title this year, would he take two years? It'd have to be like two eighty two though. 
So he'd, he'd, you'd have to make him a $40 million guy. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> I, I don't know if Kyrie's worth that headache. Because right now you're gambling. You don't know what he's going to be like in Dallas. Maybe in six months you're, you're able to say, like, hey, we got a good feel on this guy. In, in my former life, I got into a knockdown, dragout discussion. wasn't an argument. <laughs> because Severe called him a sociopath. Do you remember that, Shane? Tough word. And oh, I and I, I go <laughs> and I go. You can't you can't use that word, sociopath. And he said, "Hey, it's what my wife does. It's her job." And of course, he went to the Google it. What is the definition of a sociopath? I was so mad at him, but then when he read me the definition, I was like. So a sociopath is used to describe what a mental health professional would diagnose as antisocial personality disorder, which is a mental disorder in which a person consistently shows no regard for right and wrong and ignores the rights and feelings of others. Yeah. That, and I remember when he read me that, it stopped me dead in my tracks. <laughs> I went from super soapboxy to... You know, I was like, hey, you can't say that. And were, you, were you thinking he was meaning psychopath? <laughs> no, it just sounded harsh. Uh, yeah, you call it somebody just, a sociopath is harsh. You know. So. But normally it's warranted when somebody uses that. But he had been so good. And I know he went to those guys and was like, hey, listen, all right, I've held up my end of the bargain for the last month. Can I have a long-term deal now? And they're probably like, are you serious? <laughs> no. And he's like, oh, okay, then move me. And I don't think they wanted to be on the hook for him long-term anyway. Does any team at this point? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's making almost 40 mil now. Yeah. He's 38 million a year. What would it be like to have $38 million? What would you do with $38 million? Uh, I you would, would start your boys home. Yes, no question. I would still I would still do media but I would I would definitely start a group home. But very small. Only like Hey, 12, let's see. Let's see. If, to 15 let's boys. see how good of a guy Kyrie is. How about you give DB your 38 million dollar <laughs> salary? <laughs> Let, let's see how good you can be. Right there. No. Oh, you know what I would do? I would I, get Would you call it Kyrie's home? No. What I if would, he said I'll give you 38 million dollars to start this boys home, but you have to name it after me. No, you know what else I would do? I would give about 3 million <laughs> You just instantly to, said, eh. To Omaha to see if I could talk Omaha, the Mavs into starting a wrestling pro, bringing wrestling back. Omaha or Dallas? No, Omaha. Oh. The Mavericks. To bring, I, I didn't know which Mavericks we were still talking about. No, that's what I would do. I'd say, hey. Yo, Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> Here's some seed money. i just just gladly give it one lump sum. Hey. Could you please... Think about starting wrestling. Just think about for three mil. Well, that would be a good thought. <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, because I don't. I don't give know. me three mil. I'd be like, yeah, I'll think about it. And then what if I just because I don't know about Title Nine and needing to add. An, would they need to add another sport or or how right. like the logistics? But I'm just think training facility. Then I could. Then I would go to a couple of the other folks that love wrestling. I would go knock on Rotella's door and I'd say, hey, hey. Let's do a matching thing. <laughs> or, you know, I I don't know. I would still work, though. 
feel like you'd have to. All those people that say, hey, I'd win the lottery. I'd love not to not to work or do my job. I mean, you'd go insane. I, well, I scrolled through some show on Netflix. This literally, I'm not kidding you. It's like 2 in the morning on Saturday morning. I couldn't sleep for whatever the reason. And there was this show. You know, I just click on the info. And it was about some lady that won the lottery but ended up finding, like, the bottom of the bottle and had these relationship issues with her son. And I think if I remember right, she only won, this was a long time ago, I think she only won like 192000 That was the, the Netflix show? I read the description of that the other day. So was that Netflix? Yeah, I think it was Netflix. It was, it was one of them. One of them, yeah. What are the odds we both read that? Yeah. And well, Shane, all- remember what Shane was doing over the weekend? He said he enjoyed a cold brew, <laughs> probably an Acres Ale. <laughs> And then he uh, turned on the TV and was like, "I'm gonna chill." You gave him the mix and match case, right? Mm-hmm. Shane, yeah, we only gave him we only gave him all the great IPAs. Shane, which one did you like? Well, I liked the uh, Dear Old Nebraska. Yeah, Dear Old Nebraska. That was that was everybody. That's a good one. That's zip line right was, there. Copper one was okay. Uh, Mosman wants that. Did the you copper get? one was good. The one that I have left, I don't have it left anymore. It's gone. You had two beers in a weekend. I'm sorry. Were you tipsy? Wow. And I'm dead serious. I mean, that's half his weight. Did you drink two beers in a sitting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just had those two, so I was good. So if your body's <laughs> made up of 80% of water and you put two beers into your body, Shane, like how much would that like equal wow. your oceans on your inside? Wow. You, know, you know what I was? Drink. Oh, I'm still. You know what it wasn't? What? It sounds like a huge waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> he enjoyed that. I was, I was like, I you was guys knee- had a good weekend. Shane had I two was, beers, and you celebrated your birthday for three I, days. I would had two, and I had been, uh, two beers. <laughs> Did you say forty-two? Did you really? <laughs> no, I, I don't even think I. Did I have? I had a beer to, on Friday. You started on Thursday, though, didn't you? Drinking? Yeah. <laughs> And you, like, carried over to the show Friday morning? Well, the show, uh, like, don't I remember you, like, just being okay Friday, feeling okay Friday morning? So, uh, do you didn't go out Thursday? No. I don't just, go out during the week. Just Friday, Saturday. Friday night. Yeah. We went to... There were some funny stories. Those should remain We went to there. DJ's dugout and had the purple pucker. Yeah. And then we went to the casino. And then Saturday, we did the golf simulator bar, went out to eat at Osaka, and we went to Rhythm's Lounge. A couple of spots. <laughs> and some a, other spots, too. You're a bad boy. Oh, yeah. Well, because I stayed out way too late. <laughs> way too late. <laughs> Let's talk to Mike Tanier next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. You've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. Uh, that's probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody up. Hey, man, it's real simple. How do you want to be remembered? This team, this group right here. We put the work in. Let's finish. It's Super Bowl week, and during this week, we are going to talk to a lot of people that cover the big game. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and uh, one of the best, one of our good friends is Mike Tanier, Senior Analyst for Football Outsiders. Mike, good morning. Good morning, and greetings from the 
the shadow of the footprint center here in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I'm kind of feeling a little Phoenixy this morning. It was. It's going to be 49, maybe 50 it's degrees. It's supposed in to be all week. Omaha today, Mike. How about that? Baby steps. Baby steps. Well, Baby steps. It's actually very pretty right here. I think it's going up to 70 degrees. <laughs> hey, Mike, this weekend with the Pro Bowl, with flag football going on and everything, do you like it? Because I actually had some fun watching the flag football game. You, you know, I'm going to admit, I didn't see any of it. I was on a plane, and then I was getting checked in, et cetera, et cetera. More power to you. I don't think I'm the target audience. I'm not sure who is the target audience. Yeah, I am a child. But, I'll tell you the truth. I was watching the guys throw the balloons earlier in the week, and I like the idea of NFL players acting like six-year-olds and playing the kindergarten games. So more, more things like that. Pin the tail on the donkey. Let's go all the way with this. Yes, the Pro Olympics. Let me ask him. Let go me ahead. please ask Go him. ahead. Mike, I had a great idea last week. So Self-proclaimed, by uh -huh. the way. So I said, you know, for the Pro Bowl, instead of doing like an actual game like that, let's have a Pro Olympics where we have the yeah. offensive linemen have like a food eating contest. We have the defensive line run the four by 100 meter relay. We have the quarterbacks play dodgeball, which dodgeball was featured. Um, and then we have the yeah. kick what did I have the kickers doing? Uh, I can't remember. Yep. I have the kickers doing oh, uh, kickball. Kickball. Yeah, kickball home run derby. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then I said gambling should be encouraged within the play. Like if, if the NFL ever would allow it, it. For, for gambling to be encouraged for the players. And then you have a fan vote going on where you have, you know, a bunch of people like online voting for how outcomes are going to be in certain props. And whoever wins the fan vote gets an all expenses paid trip to the Super Bowl. What do you think? Those are a lot of great ideas. I love the gambling built into it because I think the players on the side would just start dropping major bets yeah. on each other. <laughs> Who could hit the golf ball the farthest, which I know they did that, and, and some of these other things. I love it. I love, by the way, the kicker should just do trivia. The kicker should Ooh. play Jeopardy. But, but I do. I, Jennings out there. <laughs> just go all the way. Aaron Rodgers hosting it. But let me ask you something in all seriousness, no. though, because <laughs> – you know, on the heels of watching the NHL and the skills competition and, and how they do it, and jerseys aside, I, I love the NHL All-Star break because of the <laughs> skills competition. But why do you think the it's eluded the NFL for so long on how to get this right, if at all? In the NBA, if guys are out there dunking and goofing off, it's fun. In hockey, you can kind of play at three-quarter speed and do these shooting contests. And stuff like that is fun. In baseball, the home run derby is fun. In football, only football is fun. Everything <laughs> else looks like it's super contrived or it looks like a practice drill. So, it's, you know, unless they're playing 100% and trying to clobber each other on the field, it looks like 7-7 seven and seven in practice. And that's the trick there. And also, one more thing is you can't do it in midseason. If you could do it in midseason, people would still be hungry for it. When you have to do it at the end of the season, it's a different mentality. We're like... Please bring on the Super Bowl. I don't care about this. Mm. Mike, I think leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, people were worried about the narratives being shoved down your throat, whether that's the Kelsey brothers, <laughs> whether that's Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but in, in hindsight, I don't really think like, – I think we were too worried. I, I don't think it's kind of been overdone, but I was interested to gauge what you thought um, so far because we have a listener question that I'll follow up with next uh, in regards to Kelsey and Jason. But in regards to the Super Bowl, like, do you think any narratives or storylines are being shoved down our throats? Just wait. 
My just wait in a couple of hours. We're going to be over there in the Footprint Center. We're going to be interviewing these players, and every dumb Jason Travis Kelsey brother question is going to be asked. Mm. And Mahomes is going to be asked about his ankle six million times, and all the terrible angles will come out. What often happens is during that first week is there's other sports to talk about. I think everybody takes a deep breath. Everyone in the NFL media takes a deep breath. We cover the Senior Bowl. We do other stuff. This is where it comes crystallized, and all we are going to be talking about this game. And I'm saying I'm glad you aren't sick of these storylines now, because about four days you will be. If if you if <laughs> if you're Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes in particular, I think it was easy against the Bengals because I truly don't think a lot of people thought you were going, they were going to win that football game. When you're looking at the Eagles being the favorite, I think people make it more about the complete team. When you look at Kansas City's mentality going into this one, where would you start with your focus? Well, I would say I don't think the Chiefs thought there was anything easy about the Bengals because the Bengals keep beating them going into that game, so they had to have a pretty tough mentality going in. And there are two elements for the Chiefs that they have to look at. One is their offensive line. I consider it a good, not great offensive line. It's not the offensive line that got smoked by the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but it's still not elite, and it's going against a pass rush that generated 70 sacks in the regular season. That's your point of concern, number one. A point of concern, number two, is a secondary full of rookie cornerbacks who have not been playing like rookies lately, but were playing like rookies in October and they're going up against A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. So on a matchup-by-matchup basis, the Chiefs have work to do, and they know it. And that should keep them focused. It's not about, like, legacies or dynasties or things like that. It's about making sure some of these rookies don't get toasted, and that's going to keep them very busy this week. Mike, our listener question is, the Kelsey brother storyline has developed. Um, our listener has consistently heard that Travis is no doubt a Hall of Famer, but Jason is not. Can you explain how a five-time first-team All-Pro and a six-time Pro Bowler isn't even consideration? Would you say that it's just more difficult for a lineman to do it? I think that's inaccurate. I think that's very inaccurate. And I cover the Hall of Fame pretty closely. I speak to Hall of Fame voters all the time. I think both brothers are Hall of Famers. I would say Travis probably does have the stronger case overall because he's climbing the all-time lists of postseason receptions, yards, all-time tight end records. But Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. He's going to his second Super Bowl, and he is the most recognizable, continuous face for this Eagles team over the last decade through these ups and downs, even through the Chip Kelly era. He's got, eight, he's got the Pro Bowls. He's got the All-Pro uh, appearances. And you have things like, in Philadelphia in particular, him dancing around like a mummer on the art museum steps <laughs> you know, after the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's the kind of thing where, you know, when you're, uh, when you're debating a Hall of Famer, you're going to put that, that video on and say, okay, any questions? <laughs> this guy is a superstar. This is a superstar center. There are very few superstar centers in history. Kelsey is one of them. And I think that's going to propel him among all of his other accomplishments in the Hall of Fame. Mike, let me ask you, if, if you're – get away from Super Bowl here just for a second because I've kind of scratched my head, right? Kellen Moore obviously going to the Chargers, left the door open mm-hmm. for Brian Schottenheimer. And, and, and I'm looking at the resumes and did some digging, actually, and I'm trying to figure out 
not how he gets jobs, right? Because I get it in the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Familiar names and recycled. But what is it that you think McCarthy sees or Dallas's organization sees with where Dak is in terms of his ascent or plateau for some Cowboy fans and bringing in Schottenheimer? I have no idea. I think in McCarthy's case, he wants somebody who knows can run the offense completely, run practices, installations, meetings completely, and he can be hands-off. So he was looking for a super experienced head. He got that experienced super head in Brian Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer. X's and O's, I've got no concept of how this makes any sense or how this helps Zach Prescott. Unbelievable. But like you said, this is how NFL hirings go. You got a friend who's a friend who's a friend. You golf together, whatever. You get the job. I don't want to denigrate Brian Schottenheimer to that level, but that's what this feels like right now. You got an experienced head who you know and you trust, and it's not about X's, O's, or any particular player's development. Mike, as we head toward the Super Bowl, I think what a lot of people gravitate to is the storyline of who's going to be that surprise player, the one that either catches like the big touchdown or, or has like a big performance, the unsung hero. Who do you think is going to be that? It would wind up being one of those rookie cornerbacks, and I'm going to list them out right now. Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, and the best of the bunch, I think Trent McDuffie. If the Chiefs get a victory in this game, one of those guys made a big play, whether it was an interception or a pass breakup in the end zone. And when those guys step up, that's going to be the difference maker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, if you had to, to – to I won't ask you to pick a winner unless you want to, but outside of turnovers and quarterback play, give me an X factor for you. I would say short yardage uh, success. Eagles, are, of course, have that push sneak. It's one of the most effective plays in the NFL. It's changing the NFL where Jalen Hurts gets shoved for one yard. <laughs> the Chiefs don't do that. Patrick Mahomes got hurt on a sneak a couple of years ago. They don't run that play. You'll see them do all kind of goofy stuff with like a tight end running their sneak. You'll see all these wacky shovel passes and things like that on short yardage. If the Chiefs can convert on those, that's something that's going to help them sustain drives and be more than just the Mahomes and Kelsey shot. If they can't and they're getting eaten up by the Eagles on third and one, fourth on one on the sneak, it's going to be a long evening for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and enjoy Super Bowl week. Enjoy the row. You got it. Take care. Enjoy Super Bowl week, guys. Hey, thank you. That is Mike Tanier, and uh, we thank you for joining us out there as well. If you're itching for more, if you want some more of Damon and Andrew, head over to your favorite podcast app and check out Morning Dump and Benning Bites. But until tomorrow, for Coffee and Cream, we'll see you then.